Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock. Welcome to our podcast. Today's topic is getting employees to adopt change. My expert is Lisa Schreiber, SVP at New Res. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm doing... I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. No, I appreciate you joining us. And this is an age-old topic, as you well know. But before we kind of get into that part of it, why don't we kind of talk about, again, how you got into managing yourself and were you always a manager in your career? Yeah, that's a great topic. I did not start out in management, as most people don't. started my career Long ago, I, I was went to school to be a paralegal, determined that paralegals didn't make very much money, and found a mortgage company, uh, ended up being a post-closing job for uh, under legal in the paper, if you can imagine. And that's really how I started in the mortgage business. And through different opportunities, through meeting some uh, really amazing managers that I've met through the years. I really became a manager by being a top producer, working with the staff, getting very close to the staff that we had at the time, which was at Arbor National Mortgage. Mm -hmm. And my manager happened to leave. And because I had such a great relationship with the team, I was the top producer at the time. Like some people, I was uh, made manager of that group. Well, that's a story many of us have. <laughs> so it's good to hear that that was really your story. When you looked at the managing side of it, what's kind of the best advice that you ever were given? And hopefully the manager before you was a good manager, but maybe that person wasn't. So kind of talk about, you know, what kind of what you saw. Yeah, I was super lucky because the very first woman that hired me in mortgage business was named Pat Taylor. And she was a well-known person in the New Jersey market uh, and very involved in the MBA there. And so I was super lucky to get a great mentor off the bat. And, you know, one of the things that she taught me and others definitely taught me as well was really don't pretend to know everything. You know, a lot of times, especially if you've not been in management before and you're one of those people that always wants to appear that they know what they're doing and, you know, be respected for that, make sure that doesn't take over and, and know it's okay to ask for help when you need it. Because certainly when I first took my first management job, there were many aspects of that that I really didn't understand or I had had access to. So I did have to ask for help. And that was kind of hard for me. So where did you go for asking for help? I'm just curious. Well, that first job that I got was a good one. I was at Arbor National Mortgage, and mm -hmm. I was given the opportunity to be a regional manager over sales and ops. Mm -hmm. We were fairly small at the time, but looking to grow. I had a terrific man that worked with me named Pete Marino. Mm -hmm. You might know him. He's been there a long time. Sure. And I had, the very first thing I had to do was projections and a budget. As you know, primarily being in sales, even though I had some operational background, I really, I immediately panicked. Right. And I, I went to him and I said, listen, you know, I know the business. I know what we do. I know the staff, but I really am struggling with this, with this project that I need to complete. It's very important for my role. Can you please work with me? And he did. He taught me how to use the, the tool. He told me 
you know, he showed me, you know, how, you know, it worked at our company and, and, you know, really helped me understand, you know, the, the more global aspect of what I was asked to do. Right. So when you look at it, and you've been managing now for many years, what is really kind of the secret sauce from your viewpoint of what makes successful managers versus others that are not? You know, for me, definitely, and I see this always, you know, kind of around as I work with different departments, because that is something I do a lot, work within departments. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, don't forget to take people along with you. You know, for somebody like yourself or, or myself and many people that we know, you know, the more knowledge you have, the more drive you have, the more pressure sometimes you have to get things done. I think we forget to really take our people along with us. So it's, we're all kind of charging in one direction and we feel like we've just got to get all these things done. And a lot of times we leave our people in the dust. You know, and then we then we get frustrated because why isn't everybody doing what we thought we should be doing? Right. So I think it's Mm -hmm. taking the time, you know, really explaining to people where we're going, why we're going and how we're going to get there. And then listening to them, you know, when they've got good suggestions around how to make it work. So, and and that's how you would define, I assume, when you're saying about taking people along is really the communication component of knowing where you're going. I mean, some managers would say, well, gee, you know, we shouldn't that be understood by the employees that, you know, the more production we do, the better off we are? Or is it something more than that? Definitely something more than that. And I was smiling when you said that because (laughs) that's exactly the trap I think we fall into, right? Right. We, we, Hey, all right, guys, we're going to do 50 more million this month. And we go, let's go. And then they just look at us like we have two heads, right? Like, right, right, right. And, you know, we already worked hard to get to the first 100 million. What do you mean sure. another 50? How is that going to happen? And, you know, why do we need to do it in one month? And, you know, people have questions. They have to understand, like, why? You know, right. why? Why? How? you know, how will we get there? You know, I would imagine that most people come to work every day and they feel like they've put in a good day's work. And when that pressure to increase without them seeing maybe more resources come on board or or changes to a process, they wonder, how are we going to do it? I certainly have seen that many times from a consulting standpoint where the managers just assume the employees understand it and they really don't. And I assume that's really what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So when you talk about this whole issue of bringing them along, what other things are involved besides the communication side of it? What else do you think? Definitely listening to what they say about how it's working today, right? So. It's not just saying we want to increase or it's not just saying, hey, we've got this big goal and even even telling them why we have the big goal. I mean, those things are important. But then I think, you know, if you really listen to your people and get out on, get on the floor and listen to their challenges, you can find out ways to improve either technology, a process, and maybe or even reallocate resources. And you really won't know that unless you spend the time to talk to them. So you, so we say, okay, guys, you know, we've got this big goal. We're going to grow by another 50%. 
And then we say, and then really it's collaboration with your team to say, mm-hmm. what is in our way? What are our obstacles? What, what could stop us from meeting this goal? So when you see, again, many times, especially I'm sure with many managers that are listening, is that there are remote managers where it's not like in the old days where everybody was in a location. You know, people can be all over the place. How do you do that from a communication standpoint and the listening side of it? What are some of the things that you recommend? You know, definitely remote is a big deal now. We certainly have our remote folks as well. You know, even though you're not physically together, you certainly can do things like daily huddles, right, where everybody calls in. Now, sometimes that's challenging, right, because, you know, when when you have conference calls, often people aren't paying attention, they're working, they're doing something else. But maybe you have a webinar, maybe you, maybe you utilize something like Zoom or Skype where people are physically in front of you, I mean, not physically in front of you, but you're visually seeing each other. Mm -hmm. And I do think that some of those tools bring more accountability for people to participate and certainly are very helpful in that regard. There are a lot of great ideas for sure. And I think, Lisa, why don't you kind of talk about, you know, in addition to kind of the secret sauce side of it, some Key practices over all these years that you have been managing that you've seen that has worked. Let's say you're going into a new company or maybe you're even at a company that um, you've been there for a while. Kind of what are the, the key practices that you kind of implement as soon as, let's say, you get into a new company and you're now with a new staff? Yeah, the first thing that I ever do, you know, you and I have been consulting and, and certainly um in the last few years, I've been working with companies that have hired me to either help process or build a process. The very first thing is sitting down with everybody and just saying, or maybe even individually, because sometimes that works better, right? So if you want to hear it, you know, sit down with each individual, let them show you what they do each day. You always find you have you find a couple of different personalities, right? You find the person that can't wait to tell you all the things that are wrong. True. Uh, you can't, and then you find the person that can't wait to tell you all the things that they've suggested that no one listens, and and it would be so much better if everybody just listened to them. And then you have folks that just kind of sit there and watch you and wait to see what you're going to do, right? So, right. like. By meeting with each of those folks individually, giving them that individual time, it, it does a couple things, right? One is it establishes a relationship. You've looked at each other in the eye. You've, you've had a conversation. You've taken some time. That always brings some trust. Initially, you learn. You learn as a manager. You have to learn from your team, you know, what is happening? What are the challenges? And then, you know, with the team, you prioritize right? What, what are the things that are really keeping us from, from being successful today? Or what are the things that are keeping us from being like to going to the next level, which I always find harder. You know, it's always harder to get to the next level than it is to start something fresh. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you're at that point where you're coming in to fix or go to the next level, You've got to spend the time with the team. That's the that's the first thing for sure. Well, that's really. And then you've got extra room, right? Yeah, I mean, like the thing, 
right? Yeah. No, I was just going to say they're great points, and certainly they're excellent points from the standpoint that when you go into these situations, that first step should be what I call the listening tour, which is really what you're talking about. So, Lisa, why don't you talk a little bit about our topic today, which is, again, ties together with all of this, which is getting employees to adopt change, which is obviously the number one challenge within mortgage banking. How do you think is the best way to do that? And what are kind of your recommendations for everyone listening on the podcast today? You know, certainly we've already talked about listening. We've talked about educating one of the things that I, I've always found, and it always, when, when I was in management early on, it kind of blew my mind because I didn't pick it up right away. And that is something you mentioned earlier. You think that when you lay out something for your team, that your team is going to then drive that success automatically. Mm-hmm. And what I found, especially if I'm working with, ex, you know, like, our team delivering a service to an external client, which has been the majority of my career, is sometimes your own team is the one that's not adopting something, but your client is excited. So an example would be we're forming a new technology that, you know, we all believe that would be great, or the client has said, you know, if you had this, I would do more business with you. So then you get, you come up with this deliverable and you say, oh, great, we're going to have this now. And then you find that you're not gaining adoption. You can't figure out, right? Like the client said they wanted it. We delivered it. You think everybody would be excited. But internally, sometimes I have more challenges internally with getting people to say, oh, yeah, we think that's great, too, or promoting it or even making it part of of their routine. So what I've been doing with my team is not keeping the the vision, the strategy, and all of that at the manager level. I think one of the successes that I've had over the years is going directly to the people that are on the line. So if we're promoting something, for example, at New Res right now, I'm working to develop non non-QM for the entire organization. I'm now doing weekly emails to our entire organization to educate them. What is non-QM? What is it not? What, you know, what do we offer? What makes it different? So that anyone that picks up the phone is more comfortable talking about non-QM, is more aware that it's a strategy of ours, that when a client calls, they can speak intelligently about what we're doing rather than just having all these different opinions and voices. So when the client calls, they might get different messages depending on who they're speaking with. So really it's kind of going directly to everyone in the organization or, or maybe, not, maybe not that big or maybe just going to everyone on the line and gaining adoption from a grassroots level, if that makes sense. No, that makes great sense. And I mean, time has flown by. If you had to wrap it up in a couple comments that you would want as takeaways for everybody listening, from your viewpoint, what are the couple things that you think are really critical to be successful as a manager? Certainly, I think talking to your people, being on the floor, talking to the people that are actually doing the work every single day, listening to them. When they tell you something that you can do to make something better, 
do it for them and then let them understand that, you know, you're not just there to listen and ignore, you're there to listen and help them, help them get to where they want to be. Because if you help your team get to where they want to be, you will be where you want to be. That's really the key. Well, I think that's a really great point to end on because you certainly have covered, I think, the critical issue that every manager out there faces is how do you get an employee to really adopt new changes and changes are a fact of life for sure. So I want to thank you for sharing today, Lisa, your thoughts. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks, Pat. It was great talking to you.